All right, next is Abdul. Hi, everyone. All right, so my first question is, um, so as I've matured, I've generally become a more fearful person. Um, I am increasingly becoming more of a coward, I would say. Um, just thinking about a conflict situation leads to physiological changes, such as weakness in the legs. I don't think I could ever become a police officer, for example, as just thinking about a scenario where I was being shot at feels really scary. Can you comment on this type of fear and how to break free from it? Yeah, often as we grow older, our fears, it's not that we take on so many new fears, although we can take on new fears as we get older, if we're fearful people. But even the old fears we have, when we're young, it's easy to to push those fears down and out of sight. Okay, We stick them down in a in, in a place we call the subconscious, so we can't see them, don't think about them, don't even know they're there. And when we're young, we're very, you know, we're very busy trying new things. We're very distracted. So we don't really think about them. They're there. As we get older, those things tend to bubble up. We end up having to deal with them. And suddenly we find that, oh, these are fears that I never had before. Well, they probably are fears that you've always had, but you've just never had to deal with them before. You've kept them well push down. And a lot of that, that fearlessness of youth is just the thoughtlessness of youth, youth as well. Um, you know, a lot of young people, if you look at, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old teenagers, you know, they think they're invincible, particularly the young males. They think they're invincible. That's why militaries usually recruit. <laughs> boys at that age because they are they do feel that way and it's not that they have so much courage it's that they've just never they don't have very big pictures they've never considered consequences they've never seen big pictures they've never uh, dealt with all the ramifications and connections that they have with things Um, so what passes for courage is often just a small picture as we get older that picture gets bigger, and as it gets bigger, it includes our fears, and we have to deal with them. It's uh, If you don't deal with them when you're younger, you'll surely deal, you know, have them to deal with as you get older. And if you're in your 40s now, well, it'll be a whole lot worse when you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s. So you really do need to deal with those fears. They're not, uh, it, it gets harder and harder to suppress them. I mean, how many of us know older people who just kind of have a bitter look on their face and their whole life is centered around complaining about their health, about other people, about, you know, they, they complain all the time. Well, that's not a happy life and they're not happy people. But if you don't, exit you know those fears you tend to become like that so it's it's not a happy thought say well when i'm young i'm happy and i i get you know crankier you know as i get older up until old age when i when i you know dislike myself and everybody else well it doesn't have to be like that we can you know that's one of the reasons that it's good to exit you know when you're older and start over because now you get to start back where where you're happy again, where it's easier to get rid of things. So, so what you're feeling is as you're getting older, more fear. It's not that you're just becoming more fearful. You're just becoming more aware of your fears. Your, your picture's getting bigger. The consequences of things are becoming clearer. And, you know, to not want to be shot at doesn't mean that you're more of a coward. It's just you, you appreciate more what that means what the consequences are, you know, where that goes, where, what all the possibilities are. Now, if you had to go into that arena for some reason, then, it would, you know, you would know whether you had the courage or not to do it. But you may decide that that was what you needed to do, and then you'd do it. And then if you had or didn't have the courage, you'd, you'd, you'd find out then whether you could do it if you had to, 
But when you think about things, you think, oh, I don't want to do that. That isn't someplace I'd like to go. I don't feel like I'd want to be in that situation. So I'll try to avoid that. That's not necessarily no courage as it is just being intelligent, you know, being aware of things. Why would anybody want to put themselves into that unless that was something they felt they needed to do? And yes, being a policeman, say, or putting yourself in that kind of a dangerous place takes a certain kind of personality. Often it's a personality that thrives on that. Has the bigger picture, realizes and understands the consequences, and accepts them. And does it anyway, because that's just their personality. They like living on the edge. They like being in that space of danger. And if it bites them, if it kills them, well, they feel like they've lived to the fullest all along, and that's just the way it is. They accept that. They're not terrified of that fact. They've made peace with it. Those are the kind of personalities you need in those professions. And if you don't get those kind of personalities, then you have frightened people in positions that have a lot of frightening things happen in them, and then you get overreactions and all sorts of dysfunctional behavior. So don't feel bad about yourself because you don't want to, you know, get in gunfights. That's not necessarily uh, you're becoming more of a coward. You just maybe are becoming wiser, and that's not your personality type to want to do that for a living. That's that's not where you, uh, you know, it's not how you're made, living on that kind of an edge, finding that exciting, find that, uh, you know, a positive thing. And maybe you haven't made your peace with, with, uh, you know, death yet. So how do you, how do you deal with it? Well, the same as I just talked with Arthur, you have to get rid of the fear. You have to look at the fear and deal with fear. But if it's, well, I fear getting shot at, I wouldn't call that fear. That's like, I'm afraid of going into the woods with the bears. Well, that's not. You don't go into woods with the bears because you're, you're afraid. You don't go into the woods with the bears because you, you're reasonable. <laughs> you're, you're aware. You have, you know, understanding. Staying out of the woods is a good thing. Staying away from gunfights is a good thing. That's not necessarily a problem. The thing to think about is if I have to go into the woods, would I? Well, I could I. Grandma lives on the other side of the woods, and Grandma just phoned me and said that she ran out of her such-and-such pills or can't find them, and, you know, surely she won't live very long. If she doesn't have her pills, I need to go help. Take her to the doctor to get more pills or find the pills she's lost or something, and I have to go through the woods to get there. Well, then you have to go through the woods because Grandma's important. So now you go not frightened but prepared. You, know, you Google bears and prepared and see what it is you have to do. Prepare yourself and then you go. And if you make it, good. You'll help grandma. If you don't, at least you tried and you accept that. So you go anyway. That's courage. Just going out into the woods because you feel like taking a walk, that's just foolish. Or getting in gunfights or even putting yourself in a position where that's likely to happen. That's foolish if that's not the thing you you live for, if that's not your personality to, to live that way. Okay, so that's part of it. Don't try to get rid of fears you don't have. It may not be a fear. It may just be rational. So you can accept that, uh, that rationality. Um, you may be in your mind. We'll see whether if you had to. Could you? Well, you probably could. Most people find the courage that they need when they have to have it. And they accept the fact that they might not survive it, but they do it anyway because they know it's the right thing. That's real courage. Getting rid of fears is something I've talked about a lot. You just have to find that fear, make sure it really is a fear and not just good judgment. Um, keeping you away from dangerous situations. And there may be other fears as well. Realize that if you don't get rid of them, they're not going to go away. They're going to fester and probably get worse. So that's the, that's the tough, that's the tough part. 
they will probably get worse if you don't deal with them. The easiest time to deal with them is now. They don't get easier with time. They get harder. The best time, the best way would have never gotten them in the first place, but that's hard for us to, that's hard for us to do. Second best thing is get rid of them as soon as you realize you have them. So that's worth working on. But you can get rid of them even when you're older. You can still get rid of them. All you need is a, a very present intent that stays present in your mind all the time to not be that way. Catch yourself when you feel yourself being that way, when you're making these choices, like a choice to have a deep relationship because you, you're afraid that it'll blow up and hurt you, so therefore you can't do it. That's the old strategy, you know, I can't lose if I don't play. If you don't play, you'll always lose. So, you know, you just have to see that and say, ah, I don't want to do that. And then you have the courage to go ahead and do that relationship anyway, realizing, okay, it might blow up. It might hurt me. But if it does, I'm going to learn something. And I'll be more prepared for the next relationship. I'll be better prepared for it. And if that one blows up, well, I'll be more prepared for the next relationship. Instead of, oh, no, I'm not going to play because... I can't stand to be hurt. That isn't helpful. That's just, that's a trap. I don't know if that helps or not with your question, but uh, hopefully it does. It does. Thank you. And I did have another question as well. Now, this is on a lighter note. Um, I've generally enjoyed and learned a lot from your talks regarding male-female interaction and relationships. I was wondering what your thoughts are regarding the following observation. Females seem to be attracted to men who are funny, quickly make them feel comfortable and employ a fun personality and indulge in activities such as light teasing. Men who have more serious personality types do not seem to do that well with women. Of course, this this does not describe everyone and there are all types of people who enjoy all types of things, but I have noticed this a lot. What do you think is at play here? Well, what's at play here most likely is, again, the the big driver, you know, of issues everywhere is fear, you know, and what you have, you're talking about females. And of course, that's not all females, but I think what you're describing is kind of social interactions at the light level, not at the more serious level. At the light level, then females feel will feel less threatened, less fearful with a relationship that's light and funny because that's not too serious. That's easy to, that's easy to turn around and walk away from. That's not much investment there. It's just easy and non-threatening. Whereas a deeper relationship is more of a, uh-oh, you know, this is serious. I have to be, I have to be right or I have to be this or will this work? And there's all this, you know, drama starts going on and, that's not as easy, but it's also more meaningful. So that light stuff, though the girls may like that, that's kind of light and superficial. And it isn't something they're, they're too serious about. So if you want to have relationships that are at the light and superficial level and don't have a lot of depth, then probably being the the you know the fun guy with the good humor you know who uh is the life of the party probably would work out pretty well but if you're more interested in deeper relationships relationships that have more significance to them then just being that fun guy at the party probably isn't going to get you very far it'll maybe get you the introduction but it's not going to it's not going to take you very far so I, I don't think it's that it's not that women prefer fun men is that women are going to be more relaxed, going to be more open and, and uh, more interactive with men who don't frighten them. And talk about people having uh, uh, feelings of, of, you know, insecurity and not being good enough and so on. Yeah, that is standard, I said, for most people. That includes most women as well as most men. Well, when you feel insecure, 
then you're afraid. And you're afraid of relationships. You're afraid of connections. You're afraid of being hurt. You're afraid of making mistakes. You're afraid of investing and then having it all, you know, blow up. You're afraid of all those things. And this is the serious drama that goes on. Well, that's also serious relationships. So, you know, you have to deal with that. So do you want a really serious relationship or do you want one that's superficial? I think if you're interested in serious, then you don't have to be the life of the party. You just have to be honest. You have to be straightforward. You have to be, uh, you have to be secure enough to show some of yourself, to be vulnerable. You have to be able to play the game and accept that you might not win it, but you'll learn from it. It'll always be a win because you'll learn. You'll grow. You'll become better. You know, and if you do that and you're willing to share some of yourself, you know, who are you really? You're, you're what? Uh, authentic self. Show that in gradually small pieces. Don't want to be too scary, but you know, you have to show that. And if the ladies run away when they see your authentic self, well, then they're not the lady for you. It's good that they run away because that's not the person you need a relationship with. That's just trouble. If you are your authentic self and, and someone likes that, well, now that's could be a friend for life. You say that's a deeper relationship. So don't be afraid to be yourself. You just have to be yourself. And yes, you have to start slowly. You can't give a person who is frightened. You can't give them too much, you know, too big a bite, too much to chew on all at once. It might scare them. So you have to be careful not to be too scary. Depends on who the other person is and how easily they're frightened and how much fear they're carrying around. Remember, most everybody's carrying around a big wad of fear. So you make your relationships work slowly. And maybe cracking jokes and being fun is maybe a good entree, but it doesn't have to be how you are. That maybe is, you know, the way you get started. But you don't even have to do that. You can be serious. But the thing that will work best for you with the ladies is being honest, showing them who you are, opening up, being vulnerable. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You'll learn something. You'll learn about what to say and what not and how quick to say it and other things with practice. Let every relationship be a learning, a stepstone to the next one. And you'll find that if you learn those lessons through all those step stones, you eventually will find really the one that you want anyway. It'll just your relationships will just keep getting better and better and, and deeper and more valuable as you go. But the, the idea that you're going to go out and find that most valuable one on the first shot is not likely to happen. I mean, it could happen, it does happen sometimes, but that's usually not the way it works. Usually. You know, you, uh, takes a while before you find the right person. So don't shy from giving it a try and working on things and being open. But instead of, instead of being hurt by that, learn from it and apply it to the next one. See, keep a positive attitude and you'll end up in a really good place. It's the negative attitude that then creates the fear of, you know, I don't want to play because I don't want to lose. Then all you can do is lose. Does that help? Yes, that was really helpful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Eric, please go ahead. Thank you, Donna. Hello, Tom. Hello, Eric. So I have a question about non-player characters. Um, during the MBT volunteers Q&A, Linda asked you a very interesting question. She asked whether NPCs, non-player characters, are aware of the fact that they are non-player characters and what their experience of themselves and reality is like. And you answered uh, along the lines that NPCs are indeed conscious and they do have their own experience and they may even 
have the possibility to make their own choices, even though they are strong, strongly nudged by the system into certain choices. Mm-hmm. Now, your answer was a bit of a surprise to me, since the way I conceptualized NPCs is similar to how they function in computer games. And there they are characters that are rendered on the screen of the real players, but they are not themselves conscious and making choices. So in other words, they don't have their own screen and they don't have their own conscious experience. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to clarify that with you. Is the way I conceptualize NPCs wrong? No, the way you, well, yes and no. It's wrong if you extrapolate that into the larger conscious system as a, as a limitation, you know, that it has to be that way. But it's right as far as video games go. But video games are not nearly as complex or as deep as this virtual reality we call the physical universe, you know, that, that we're playing in. That's a much deeper, more... Uh, I don't know, there's a lot more dimensionality to that. Okay, the video games are pretty shallow compared to the real, you know, to what we have here in this virtual reality that we're in. So in the games, yes, the the NPCs have scripts, basically. You know, it's the monster. It's the boss that has to be beaten. It's the It's the old guy that hangs out at the fence post that you click on him and he gives you a, he gives you a, a, a what, a, a mission, a quest to go on, something like that. And if you trigger that boss or that that guy, he has just a very small repertoire of things that he can do. You know, there's just just a few things that he can do. Sometimes it's just one thing. You know, he does the same. He does the same thing. That's why in these games, you know, there's the boss you have to beat, and usually the first ten times you lose. <laughs> Because you have to figure out strategy, you have to figure out a way to approach it, what to do, what not to do, you know, how many people does it take, you know, how do you do it, and that's that's the whole thing that's fun in the game, right? Is figuring out the the strategy to get by this thing, and the boss always just does the same thing in the same way, and if you always do exactly the same thing in the same way, it always end up exactly the same. But the guy at the post who gives you a quest, he may have ten different quests that he could give different people. And he may look at your, you know, your character and pick out an appropriate quest for that character out of his 10, but still he's limited to a small list. So yes, that's NPCs there. But here, think about why would the system need an NPC? Why would it need to play a character? And what could that character do? Well, now the things that are going on in this virtual reality are much more varied than they are in, you know, in a, in a computer game. So it may want to have a virtual, uh, an NPC just like the boss or just like the guy at the post giving out quests. In other words, uh, I give the little example of NPCs as Johnny falls in a well, you know, outside of town and a stranger comes by and finds him there and helps him out and sends Johnny back to town and, Nobody knows who that stranger was. Nobody ever saw him before. Nobody ever sees him again. He just kind of shows up out of nowhere and helps Johnny out of the well and disappears. Okay, well, now that's an NPC, much like the boss or the guy at the thing. You know, he's just, he's just run by the computer to do a certain thing that has to be done. But let's say that there was somebody um, that uh, needed something more than just you know, a rope or a ladder. Let's say they needed interaction in such a way. They needed some kind of person to maybe even have a relationship with somebody that would help them get out of a place they're stuck in. Okay. Well, well, they could have an NPC with a lot more depth. One that was, that was uh, interactive in a, in a way like any player would be interactive. Now the system could do that in multiple ways. It could play that character interactively so that it's just playing that character. Well, how is that different than one of us? You know, we, you can even talk about us. You know, we, our IUOC, you know, we're just an IUOC, but we're really part of that larger conscious system. So it'd be the larger conscious system 
playing this character as opposed to your free will awareness unit playing a, you know, playing a, a character. Well, then that would be very realistic and could adjust to, you know, current events and things that were going on and interactive and so on. So, but when that role's done and the mission has been accomplished, that character would then maybe leave, disappear. And they would probably have no background. You know, they, they wouldn't have a, uh, at least a legal birth certificate either because they just showed up there, played a role for a while. And that for a while could be five years. You know, who knows? It just may be something that, you know, it's just saying it's a possibility. You see, it could be that. Now, it's also possible that the system could let that character stay and stop playing it, but give it its own. Give it its own, you know, what, free will awareness unit attached to some IUOC? You know, just create that character and let it go ahead and play that part. It could, instead of exiting, say, at the end of the five years and the mission's done, it could say, okay, you know, we'll just let that be a, we'll let that be a free will awareness unit to, with this uh, IUOC and let it go. Now you have maybe a new IUOC that you didn't have before, already engaged. So why should that be impossible? So I just, when I said that, I just was looking at the possibilities of what the system might do. Now, none of those kinds of things would be done routinely. This is all, you know, just one-offs as needed for people in special situations that needed this to get over a block or a hump or a problem that they were dealing with. Maybe that's a person who uh, kind of came here with a mission. Maybe there was a mission. They came here with kind of a scripted mission and they got off the mission. They were supposed to go someplace and they made a, they decided not to and they went off. Now they're off mission. So now this is the system trying to reclaim the mission or trying to get them back on track or something. You know, who knows? Now I'm just making all this up as, as possibilities, but because our system is so much deeper in what it's doing and how it's doing it and to the extent it's doing it and to the graphics and, and so on, you know, it's just, it just has a lot more to it. It's a lot more complex. So it could do those things. It could something that started out as an NPC could not end up as one. It's uh, almost anything's possible in a, in a VR like ours. And in something that's this large with seven and a half billion people, you'd almost say that anything that could happen probably does happen. So I expect these things do happen. But they happen very rarely and in the margins and as needed and in ways that nobody notices. Okay. And as a little follow up to that, because you've said that sometimes when beings find themselves in horrible circumstances in PMR, uh, such as children being tortured by their parents mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, that the system will take the free will awareness unit out of that situation and put in an MPC instead. Does that mean that there is still a consciousness that is experiencing what that NPC is experiencing? And if so, isn't that rather cool as well? After Uh all, suffering is suffering, whether it's experienced by a temporary NPC or by a more long-term free will awareness unit. Uh Well, the answer to that is is, uh, yes. That entity does experience those things. It is experienced, but it's experienced... Let's say it's, it's, uh, it's played by the LCS. It's experienced by an entity that can deal with that without being damaged. It can deal with that level of stress, that level of abuse or pain or whatever. So yes, it will feel all that, but it's not going to cause that entity any problems because it's grown past that point. Perhaps it knows how to to uh, you know, turn off a lot of that uh, a lot of that pain, you know, just with its mind, it may just turn that pain off. It may be able to do that. So we're talking about not just any old, you know, uh, NPC coming in there and experiencing pain and so on. But think of some 
something that the that the LCS could could create and put in there that could deal with that. Turn it off. You know, we can do that with practice. You can turn off pain. You can learn to eliminate it. That's that's how people who have chronic pain often get by and escape having to be on narcotics all their life is they learn to control it with their mind. They learn to turn it off. Well, you just have somebody who could do that easily and then it would be no problem or an entity who could just accept that and not let it bother them. Whereas if you had an entity before that's going to be twisted because of that experience, it's going to bother them very much and terrify them and so on and psychologically harm them, then that's not good. That's not working toward a lower entropy, you know, situation. So that's, so yes, they would feel it. It's not that it's, it's not that it's, uh, you know, that that pain or those things aren't done to them. They are. And yes, they would be playing a human with all the nervous system they have there, but then, Again, the human may be able to turn it off or this system may not really care. Could just process it and not deal with it without uh, making anything negative out of it. Okay, yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I, I thought that in that case, it would just happen to a nothing. but So there's still actually someone experiencing it and they're actually able to deal with that. Yeah. Which is actually quite quite inspiring that that's even possible. Yeah. To deal with such things. Um, okay, and then I had one last question. Um, so, a low quality or a high entropy being will inevitably suffer to some extent, especially if it logs on to a virtual reality where it receives harsh feedback based on its quality. So, based on that, would you say that it's cruel of the system? to create new IUOCs that are not high quality? Uh, no, it's uh, not cruel at all. You have to start at the beginning. You can't start at the end or in the middle, okay? in, in the sense of, of growing up. Now, new IUOCs and free will awareness units generally start in the middle in the sense that, you know, they're average. But still, that's their beginning. They have to work from there forward. So we have we have a new a new baby's born, right? The population just goes up by one. Okay. A new IUOC is needed with a new free will awareness unit to to make the choices for that new being. Okay, so now the system will put um, that new IUOC there to be Average, typical. You know, it's it's not going to start, you know, with caveman dragging knuckles on the ground as it walks. You know, it's going to start somewhere that fits in to where we are here now. And but that's still the beginning for that system. So it starts there. But now it has to evolve from that point forward. So it's almost the same question we had in the very beginning, and that is, you know, why not just put all the I, make all the IOCs all perfect? Let's just make all the IOCs, you know, um, very low entropy. Let them all just be beings of love, and then hey, we're already done. We don't even have to evolve anywhere. We're finished. So what's the point of making these IOCs that are not perfect? Let the system make them as perfect as they can, and we're already finished. That isn't being finished. The, the development, the growth is important. If you don't, if you don't earn it, it's not yours. If you don't go through, I mean, you can, you can start someplace and say, okay, somebody's going to give me, you know, what's the, what's the average, uh, you know, amount of money in a bank? Uh, you know, let's say $50,000 or somebody going to give you $50,000 and put you in place and say, okay, here you are, go. Well, they started you. Uh, you don't have to live under the bridge. You know, they started you with something that you can find in apartments. You can buy clothes. You can, you know, something you can get by on. Well, fine, but you still have to 
live. You still have to make choices. You're still going to have to find a job. You're still going to have to do things, even though you started kind of on the same level as everybody else. You didn't start, you know, naked and hungry and uneducated. You, you started somewhere where you could compete. You still have to, to, uh, you still have to grow. You still have to make good choices. So the system kind of starts you in the middle that way, but you still have to make good choices. You have to not make fearful choices and ego choices and whatever. And you still, at an average level, you got plenty of fear and plenty of ego in there. You just are, you know, kind of equivalent to the average, to the average person. And now you have to evolve. So the suffering's next necessary because we, we don't get the low entropy without earning it, without putting the effort in. If it just made everything perfect, let's say the LCS said, all right, I'm going to dump all these IUSCs I've got. They're all gone. Let's exit them. I'm going to start with a whole new crop, and they're all going to be perfect. Now, where is the LCS at this point? It's at the same point it was when it realized that it needed to make IUOCs in order to give itself more potential. You see, now it's all just the same thing. Everything is at the level of the IUOC. So now it's just kind of back to a, a unitary, monolithic consciousness again. They're all the same. All right, now I have a whole bunch of IUCs, but they're all identical copies of me. It's not helpful. That's not going to take it into the future. That just leaves it now with not so much growing room. So it's a, it's kind of locked into the present with uh, from wherever it is. That larger conscious system is also growing. It's becoming as we are. It's not done either. And where is all this going to go? Well, it has to be cooperative in a social system. There has to be a lot of players to make it a social system. Okay. Those players have to cooperate and work together. They have to learn how to do that. They have to grow up to being capable of doing that. Otherwise, you know, it's another way of looking at it. What if we all, what if we were all perfect actors? You know, what if we all acted like we were caring, loving people, but we weren't really, we were just acting that way. We'd all been through, you know, we all been acculturized in this culture that make us act like we care. Like we, you know, are honest and, and like we're kind. And so we do all that. So we're all really good actors. So what do you have? Not much, actually. On the veneer, on the face of it, it looks pretty good. But underneath, it's not much. I, I understand how it works from an, uh, from an entropy perspective. But still, there's something about the idea that the system is creating these beings that it know will inevitably suffer, even though I get that it needs to do that in order to optimize its entropy. Yeah. It's sort of You can kind of apply the same logic to an IUOC partitioning itself into a free will awareness unit that then has to log on to a VR and basically suffer quite a lot if it's a low quality being. Yeah, so it, well, it, it kind of comes across as the IOC creates this partition to do the dirty work for it, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like this. Instead of saying suffer, why don't you say that it has opportunities, opportunities to evolve? That's what it has. Oh, it's not put down there to suffer. It's put down there with opportunities to evolve. Oh, it must be a very magnanimous uh, uh IUOC and system that it gives these these uh, bits of its consciousness all these opportunities. So you have to look at it in the positive thing. But the opportunity to grow also has to give it an opportunity to de-evolve. The opportunity has to go both ways. So you stick a, a IUC down there and it's it can evolve. And its life can get better and happier and whatever as it grows up or it can de-evolve. But what it gets is opportunity to grow. Now, without putting them down in that, in this, this place that's, that's difficult, without putting them in this virtual reality, you can just leave them in the chat room. 
Say, all right, nobody suffers in a chat room. Just stay there. No one ever suffers. But hardly anybody ever grows up either. Everybody stays just about the same. So when it comes to growing up and learning, how do you learn without challenge? How do you grow up without risk? It doesn't work. You can't do that. So what the system does is it puts them in a place where they have opportunity to grow, and they can grow. If it's a place that there's no challenge, no suffering, well, there's also no growth. Why is anybody going to change? Everything's just fine. You know, what's the point? We'll just sit here and chat with each other. You know, we'll make up stories and chat. and Everybody will just keep doing that forever. But the entropy still maybe is trickling up, but ever so slowly. Because there's just very little opportunity to excel. There's little opportunity to to be awful. There's just not much opportunity to do anything except keep on keeping on same old stuff all the time. So the system creates this virtual reality that has lots of rules and therefore, you know, ways to win, ways to lose, strategies, all kinds of things because it's it's rule-based. So you have lots of things that you can do there. And it puts a and IUSC puts a piece of itself there with the opportunity to learn, to make good choices. Well, it can fail. Matter of fact, it almost always does to begin with because you have to start at the beginning. So it's put there. Now, if it came out of the chat room with, a very, with pretty low entropy, then it would start right off making good decisions. But it comes out of the chat room with no more, no more, uh, quality than you get by hanging out in a chat room for a long time, which is not much quality. That's just as much as it was able to develop. Developing really good quality in a chat room is exceedingly hard. So you get put into this trainer where you have now real opportunities to grow, and almost always it's going to start making poor choices because it hasn't grown yet. Hasn't had any opportunity to grow yet much. So that's why it almost always seems like it ends up in suffering initially, because initially it's not grown up. And, well, why not grow it up first? Well, how do you do that? The only way to make it grow up first is to put it in a trainer like this and give it opportunities, you see. There's no way to grow it up first without the thing having to make choices that are that are moral, that are difficult. That's required for the growing up process. So it can't grow them up first and then put them here. It puts them here to grow up. To grow them up first, you would have to put them here. You see, it's, there's no other way to do it. You have to start at the beginning. So you take an entity that's been around maybe a long time, but hasn't grown up much because it's never had a need to. You put it in a place where it needs to. And what it does is it acts badly at first because it hasn't grown up yet. And eventually it does grow up. You see, it's, it's no way to, to just artificially make it grow up. And if you did, what you'd really do is make it a good actor. You, know, you could train it maybe to be a good actor, but that's not really helpful. You really have to make the choices on their own based on who they are at you know, their level of quality and go from there. So it's, there's no easy way to get there other than give people the opportunities to do it. And you give people little tiny challenges that aren't much, and they've got little tiny opportunities to grow up. You get them big, massive challenges that can really hurt, and they have big, massive challenges to grow up, you see. So how stiff the, 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 the slope is, the learning curve is, is also how much the, the the growth potential is. So that's kind of why it works. You just can't start in the middle. Consciousness makes choices, and by those choices, it evolves. There isn't any way to get it to evolve without giving it challenging choices. And when you give it a challenging choices before it's grown up, 
it's going to do the wrong thing. Mostly it's going to get into ego. It's going to get into fear. It's going to be all about itself because it just hasn't grown up yet. So it's just the way it needs to be. There isn't any other artificial way to grow it up first so that when it gets here, it doesn't suffer. It's just the nature of a thing like consciousness that makes choices has to learn the hard way because it can't skip steps and you always start at the bottom. Do the best you can with what you've got and learn from that. So the, it's not that the system's cruel. is that I don't think the system has any other choice. I don't think there's any easier, less painful way to get there. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. There's just no other way. It's a little bit sad, but yeah, it's a little sad, but you know, the thing is to stay positive. You have this, ap- uh, this uh, attitude. Once you have this attitude that this, you're here to learn and to grow up. Now this becomes like any other virtual reality game, right? You're here to learn how to beat the boss. You're here to learn how to, you know, get uh, 50 spells so that you can, you know, you're here to, to grow. You're here to level up. Well, if you have that same attitude, then just like in those video games, when the boss beats you, you don't slam your computer on the floor and go cry. You say, ah, all right. Well, how can I approach that differently? And you go back and you do it again. Well, that's how you win in those games. That's how you win in this game too. Instead of getting angry and throwing a fit, banging your head on the floor because you lost, you look at it and say, well, all right, how can I improve my game? How can I do that better? How can I approach it differently? What went wrong and why? So it's the same. You know, that's, that's virtual reality. That's the point. You know, you, you learn it and you, and you grow up. Yeah. And can you imagine a video, a, a, a video game that would work where you come in at level, you know, 100? That's the top level. Everybody comes in at level 100. And you have a whole bunch of players that don't even know how to survive at level one yet. But they all come in at level 100. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't work. You can't do that. You've got to come in at level one and work your way up because there's only one way to learn it and be it. And that's to have the experience of doing it. So the system just doesn't have any choice. But now the, the, the free will awareness units do have a choice. They can choose to have a positive attitude. Okay, I got slammed that time, but uh, you know, how can I do it differently next time? So they have the choice to have a positive attitude toward their life and take it seriously. This is serious. This is our game you know, that we're in, consciousness evolution. That's the game. And uh, it's a fun game. It's a challenging game. It's a game that makes us cry sometimes, but it's uh, it's challenging. And when you see it that way, it makes it easier to make those choices and not to get so upset. That's that's sort of what I mean when I say stay positive. Look at the negative as positive. Oh, that was a horrible thing. Yeah, okay. Now, what can I learn from it? How can I do better next time? Where did I go wrong? What was the mistake? Where were my? What was the bad choice that let me down this? this avenue and why did I make that bad choice and then do better next time. So then even when, when life is very, very difficult, it's still fun and it's challenging and even exciting. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom, this brings up a question to Eric's. Um, you've often said that the LCS partitions off new IUOCs, and puts in an average quality. How is that different from what you've just described? Well, it's not different. I just said that they, they start in the middle because it wouldn't do to have somebody who's totally out of sync with what's going on here, unable to connect, you know, unable to function. So you start at about average. If the system started every new IUOC, um, at a much higher level, that wouldn't work. They hadn't earned it. If it started them all at the bottom, 
they really wouldn't fit in too well. Now, in a way, they are at the bottom in that they have to grow. You know, they come in however they are, but they but they come in in many ways. They come in average. When I say average, it's not necessarily, you know, it, well. It, you mean quality a, rather than experience? Yes, they don't come in with any experience, but they come in basically with an average quality because that's that's what fits in here. You know, if, if everybody came in here, you know, had to start as a homicidal maniac, you know, that wouldn't be a good idea. That's not that's not. Yeah, yeah that's not a good idea. We don't want to start there. You know, we want to start someplace that just lets them evolve or de-evolve based on their choices. You don't want to. You don't want to say, "Well, you have to. You have to come in as a mass murderer first, you know, because that's the bottom of the barrel." Uh, no, but you you can come in and be a user of people, be you know, very self-centered. A lot of users who are very self-centered, you know, that's pretty average. You know, that's not uh, that's not terrible. You could you could come in and be that way. But when I say average, I basically mean that you fit in here. You're not, uh, you know, you're not out of place. You're not a fish out of water. You can, you can learn here. Right. Thank you. Ralph, you're next. Yeah. Thank you. Donna. Um, Tom, I would have the following questions. So, um, is there a guideline how to deal with a situation? in which I obviously always have to hurt somebody, either way I choose or the decision I make. If I have the feeling I always waste the entropy, no matter I decide, how could I proceed then? And to make it more complicated, if I think I also need to care to take care about myself and not only about others, should I always step back in favor of others? Now, what you have to do, Ralph, is look at the long-term entropy for your choices, long-term entropy, and not only for yourself, but for the system. So you have a choice, and you can say, well, if I, if I make this choice, it has consequences. And those consequences also have consequences and so on. It ripples. You know, if you – let's say that you have an employee, and this employee is just not – fitting in very well. Okay. Now you have, if you see it only as you have two choices that I can, uh, I can fire this employee, which would be very hard on him. and would hurt him. Or I could let him continue and not fit in very well and not do a very good job, which will also hurt him. You know, what's the long-term entropy? Lowest entropy. Well, you'd have to look at that and see. And, you know, there'd be several things. One, you may want to have a conversation with him, see if you could help him do better. If that doesn't work, then you might try to help him find something else that he would be better suited for. And, you know, if somebody's not fitting in and they're not doing well, you're not doing them a great favor just by stringing them along. So you, you have to look at the upsides and downsides, the consequences, the unintended consequences, just as far out as you can and say, what is the minimum entropy solution? Okay, I can fire this guy, and maybe he'll get a job that really suits him, and he'll be so much happier in it and do so much better at it, and that would have been a great thing. I helped him out. The firing would have been a, a great benefit for him. You know, But in order to ensure that some, you may actually do a little searching yourself to see if you can't come up with a, something that might be better for mm -hmm. him. You know, so whatever, you just look at it, and I don't know what the situation is, but look at all the consequences you can think of in the long term and say, well, in the long term, what's the low entropy solution? Then, once you've come to that conclusion, make your choice and let the chips fall wherever they may, but learn from how they fall. You know, watch those chips as they fall and learn from it and see how you maybe could have done that better. So the next time you'll do even a better job. The problem we have is unintended consequences. You know, it's hard for us to think of all the consequences of the consequences of the consequences. Those are usually called unintended consequences, things that happen because of a decision we make, but things that we never even thought of or never had any idea that our decision would create. 
you know, these other consequences. Well, so we need to think as far ahead as we can about how that might help or hurt someone, raise their entropy, lower their entropy, be good or bad for you, for them, for everybody, for the whole system. And you'll find usually that there is a path that you think is the, is the lowest entropy, you know, for the system that's for everybody involved. And then you just do that one. Even if that one's a tough one, even if it's a difficult path to do. And even if some people get upset in the middle, that is the best path. And you can explain to them exactly why you picked that path. This is where I thought it would do the most good. Well, what's um, causing suffering? Yeah, there may be some suffering that goes with it. You know, often we have to suffer before things get better. You know, like the, the employee I'm talking about is this as an example. He may have to suffer being fired, feeling, uh, you know, feeling bad, being upset and angry and all of that, and then end up with something that was twice as good, more suitable, you know, better, you know, so. He may look back 10 years later and say, wow, getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. My whole life changed there for the best. Well, so sometimes the path goes through being unhappy, being sad, being hurt <laughs> to get there. And it, it's very difficult to think of all the unintended consequences. But And I would talk, talk it over with a person so they understand why you make the choice you make it. Why you made a choice. Say, well, here's what I think, and here's where I think all the things go, and these are the possibilities. And I'm thinking about making this choice because I think that is the lowest entropy, you know, the biggest win, considering everybody, even though it may create hardship for some, for, for some time. And you could even have a discussion about that, and they may disagree. Oh, no, no, I disagree with you. I don't want to lose my job. I just want to stay here and work. But you're unhappy here. Yes. You know, they say I am unhappy here, but at least I have a job and I can pay my bills. Well, then you can maybe, like I say, help them find something else. <clears throat> maybe you can help that person, whatever it is, find success in some other way or encourage them or mentor them a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's just a relationship issue, in which case you, so you come to your best guess and you do it. And then you learn from it. There's, there's oftentimes there's no way to make a choice that you have to make where everybody walks away smiling and happy. Sometimes people have to walk away unhappy. Hopefully they can turn that change into something positive. And maybe you can even help them with it. Help them do that. So. Uh, thank you very much. It's just one uh, add-on question to this. So um, if I have a personal interest in a decision, so because I also have personal interests in my life, yeah, I, uh, I think I, nobody can neglect his personal interests all the time. How does this, which role does this play? So let, let's just give an example. So if you are in a, working in a company and there's a new position, Uh, two of your colleagues that you like very much want to have this position and you also want to have this position. So you have an own interest in this position. So you should, should I step back because uh, to, to give the others the opportunity to get into this position or is, a, is it also a certain right uh, I can, um, uh, do I have a right also to, to have the wish for such a position, for example? Oh, of course you do. And no, you shouldn't step back. You should look at it and say, well, okay, there's, there's three of us here could go into that position. We're all in competition with each other for that position. We'd all like to have that position and I'm going to try my best to get it. And you expect they're going to try their best to get it. And that's not a problem. You wish them well, you know, well, good luck with your effort. I'm going to try as hard as I can to get that. And I know you are too. Wish them all a lot of luck and you're all still good friends afterwards because it's just, yes, you should, uh, you should not feel like, no, I need to step back. No, I should just think about others. That's mm -hmm. not a good situation in doing that. You know, you look at it and you say, what's the low entropy solution here for me and for everybody else? Well, okay. So say you get the position. Now think out the next five years. Where does that go? Now you don't, but B does. 
A and C don't. So B gets it. And what would that do five years from now? Well, I'll look at C gets it and, and A and, you know, and A and B don't. What would that look like five years from now? What would the entropy look like five years from now? And if you look at all of those and you say, well, the entropy in the system is going to be about the same in all of those cases. I can't see that any one of those or another is going to, is going to make the entropy in the system change by very much. Then there is no criteria for picking one over the other, in which case you should compete. You know, the only reason that you would not compete is if you think one of the others would somehow lower entropy in the system so much more than you could. Then maybe you'd want to step down then, but and let them do it because maybe they're more qualified or maybe they're this or that or something else. And you don't think you could do as well, but that's probably not the case. Even if, even if you're not as quite as well qualified, you could probably learn that difference pretty quickly. So look at long-term entropy and see if there's any path that stands out as the right path. If no path stands out as the right path, then, you know, well, may the best may the best person win, or the luckiest person, or uh, however that works out. You know, let it fall out, however it does. So go compete, try to get it, and uh, and uh, wish your friends luck. So, of course, I could be wrong in my um, estimation. Whether the long term entropy would be really be reduced because because it's my perspective. And for example, Donald Trump would uh, have a different opinion about certain things on the yeah. long-term entropy. So how, how can, can I be sure to really lower the entropy? Yeah, you can't. How does the system judge on this? Because it's just my perspective. Yeah, right. Well, it has to be your perspective. Your perspective. It can't be anybody else's because you have to make the choice. Yeah. It's your choice. And the way that works is you look at it. And you do due diligence in trying to see it from all the perspectives, decide what's the long-term entropy, and then you do it. You don't have to be right. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to do due diligence and do what you think's best. So that's the thing. Making a mistake is not a problem. Doing it wrong is not a problem. Doing it wrong and not learning from it is a problem. Not doing due diligence first, not actually thinking about it deeply, not actually, you know, trying to see it from all perspectives. That would be a problem. So you do try to see it from all perspectives and say, well, the best of my ability or what I understand now, here's the way I see it. And you do try to be impartial. You do try to see it properly. And when you're done, you say, well, if all the entropy is pretty similar, then I don't see any reason to not, you know, do that and then do it and then see how it works out. If it works out that it was terrible and a terrible thing happened, then learn from it. If it works out that it's fine and fine. So you don't have to know for sure that you've got the right entropy assessment. Entropy assessments are hard to come by. You just have to have done your best to make an honest assessment and then go with that and learn from it. That's the way that it is. So there's no penalty for doing your best and it not working out right. There's no penalty for that at all. There is some penalty for not doing your best, you know, for not trying. And, and, uh, and there is some penalty for, for, you know, for not learning because then you just have to learn it again. That's the penalty. You have to keep trying until you get it. But, uh, there's no penalty for, for having an error. Yes, you probably be somewhat biased when you make your assessment. You may not be able to help that, but help it as much as you can. Be as honest and straightforward and as you can. Try not to look at things that are biased. Look at it from every direction you can. Make a choice. And unless there's an overwhelming reason why picking, if you're A, picking B or C would be better, then, you know, There'd have to be some kind of overwhelming thing there that would say, well, that would really be better. You know, it would be a better choice. But if there isn't, then go for it. See what happens. So it's just always the long-term entropy assessment is the way to approach those problems. And you don't have to make a perfect assessment. That's impossible. Just do the best you can and then go with that. 
and let the chips fall where they may. See what happens? Learn from it. Tom Campbell here. INMBT Events hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing, and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.